0: Hello, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever or wherever you are. Whether that's on your daily dog walk, chopping the veggies for your Sunday roast, or winding down before bed, I thank you for tuning in to series four of how to buy a kitchen or bathroom. My name is Georgina Townsend, and I am your host and the acting editor of Kitchens, Bedrooms, and Bathrooms magazine. For Series 4, we've switched things up a bit and recorded the episodes in person in our office, each with two special guests who are experts in their field. For our second episode, I was joined earlier this week by interior designers Beth Dadswell of Imperfect Interiors and Ros Wilson from Rosalind Wilson Design to tackle some of the biggest and most frequently asked questions KBB often receives, including what are the first stages of planning a kitchen, how do I know what and where I spend my budget on, and how do I decide on a kitchen layout? This particular question got a very strong response from our guests. It honestly blew my mind. We also discuss including trends within your scheme and where and when you should throw that design rule book out the window. But before we get going, I have a favour to ask. We want to try and help inspire and advise as many renovators, DIY enthusiasts, and interiors aficionados as possible. So please, if you have time, share this episode with friends or family, or your neighbours down the street who are doing or even thinking of doing up their kitchen. Plus, leave a review and subscribe. Right, let's get cracking. Hello and welcome, Beth and Roz. Oh. Hello. Beth, can you give us a quick hello? Hi, 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 and Ros. So we know what your voice sounds like. Good morning. There we go. <laughs> so today we're talking about KBB's most frequently asked kitchen design questions. So Beth, before we start, can you tell us a little bit about your own kitchen?
1: Yes, our kitchen was done on a really tiny budget. We were right at the end of sort of renovating an old building, and we were literally down. I think I think it might have cost about. £5,000. We had a really great carpenter doing lots of work in the house, so essentially we got him, or I sort of drew up some plans and he made it out of MDF. I wanted sort of a bit of a tongue and groove look, but I didn't want it to look too trad, so he actually bought a little router, cut all the grooves out himself so we could line everything up perfectly, painted it all.
0: There you go. So, how would you describe the style?
1: (laughs) The building's an old dairy, so it's an old Victorian dairy, so I didn't want it, to, It had, and it's got lots of crittles, so I didn't want it to feel too twee, but also didn't want it to feel too modern, because I'm not a huge fan of sort of super modern kitchens, so we're trying to find a balance in between the two, A, that came in on budget, and B, that we could kind of do ourselves. Yeah, I don't know how you describe it, to be really honest. best style? Yes.
2: In purposes, same question period. to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was thinking about that now. Actually, mine is a quick kitchen in the making, because I've just moved into an apartment, a really beautiful apartment. It's not very big, but it's just got, what one would say, an abundance of period features. <laughs> so it's just the most incredible cornicing and carved archways and so forth. And the kitchen that's there is currently a galley kitchen, and it's very old, so I speaking too loudly the boiler is just by the sink so that's we can tell it's probably about 15 12 years old something like that so in my head i've imagined the perfect kitchen and so i want to add an island because i'm not such a fan of a galley kitchen that might come up later but um it would definitely be a a situation of perhaps the hob in the island i'd like to keep it quite floating so make it quite modern just the island bit and then the kitchen can probably go something quite classic i would say Materials, I'm not sure, but it's 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 in my head right now, and I'll, it will materialize probably in the next year. Is so. <laughs> it seems super hard designing your own kitchen? When I started in the industry, I think that you are so overwhelmed with information and knowledge and, and excitement, and yes, you think it's you need about five different houses. Now, 24 years later, it's like a bolt to red flag. You know exactly. I know exactly what I want because I get to um, realize kitchens with all our clients. So with that experience, you kind of know what you want. Also, as you get older, you know what you want. So I know exactly what I want. It's easy now. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah.
0: that, which actually leads me on to the first question, which is what are the first stages of planning a new kitchen? So you are in this yourself. i in this, doing it.
2: <laughs> okay, I thought about the, the client. It's got to start with the client because you can think you can walk into a space. I'm not the kind of designer who can walk into a space and go, right, boom, 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 boom. I've got to let it sink in, walk away, step away, let that mull over because in that moment there are a lot of ideas in my head and it's, there's too much. So for me, it's got to start with the client, their brief and the understanding of how they live in their house, how they work in the kitchen, how they cook and then from there determine feasibility. So that for me, starting point, 100%.
1: How does
0: the homeowner even come up with a brief before they talk to a designer?
1: Generally speaking, they want more space in my experience. They want a kind of a bigger live-in kitchen dining room that they can eat in as well as cook in. Obviously that's kind of what everybody wants now, isn't it? Nobody wants a separate dining room. I mean I think another thing to add to that from my perspective would be the limitations of the building as well. The period of the building. Their budget is also obviously huge. And just trying to work out what it is that they want to get out of kitchen because usually it comes with building works as well for me anyway. People are often doing the side return or they're kind of extending into the garden or doing both. So it's trying to work what trying to work out what their expectations are. You know they're spending a lot of money. What is it they want to be able to do in the space? But how does one know?
0: How does it how does the <laughs> homeowner find out? I mean from the homeowner's point of view, you're planning your, plan your mm. kitchen Rose, where does the homeowner start? when they are planning a new kitchen they know that let's say they just moved like yourself or they've had a kitchen that's 15 years old and it needs an update mm-hmm. for them
2: where do they start when planning the space okay, So let's pretend they know nothing about kitchens they they're going to probably be prompted to do some external research so there's going to be some online searching there's going to be some high street shopping there's going to have to be an understanding of what materials are out there? What do kitchens look like? Because you might have your friend's house and you might be paging through some magazines, but you really need to go out there or go online just to see what grabs your attention. So yes, there's got to be some research done first because it's exciting when you buy a house and mm. the kitchen's going to be such an integral part of your home, yeah. your family life, your entertaining. Like you said, Beth, there's you know no dining room separation anymore yeah. unless it's a really old school kind of situation. But that exciting start, now the dynamic of, The family, that could be. Some people don't like to do the research, but certainly some people will. And I think a lot of people, in my experience
1: anyway, are very inspired or influenced by their friends. And doing your kitchen, doing the side return, doing the extension has been a really big thing, especially over lockdown. And I think people go around to their friend's house, they see what they've done and they kind of go home and go, oh, I really want to do that too. (laughs) So I think that's, in my experience, there's a lot of that going on. and Maybe more so than... I think people, people do look at Pinterest and Instagram I'm and not. they kind of follow people who are doing the renovations and get quite inspired. But actually seeing it in reality in a friend's house mm-hmm. tends to be, I think, the thing that people get most inspired by and want to
2: replicate and I guess they can go through their sort of um, war stories in terms of reference. Exactly. I did this, but maybe next time you exactly. should do that, consider yep. this. Because that does happen. Yeah. Unless you're jealous of your friends. Everything <laughs> <laughs> was perfect. Yeah, you think you can do better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm teasing. Yeah.
0: But that actually brings me on to a point. Research is obviously so important, but there is so much out there, isn't
2: mm. there? Yeah. I mean, it can be it's overwhelming. So overwhelming. Can I just throw a devil's advocate into that mix? Because there's so much, but trends stick together. So, you know, we've got some projects already that have, you know, slatted walls, timber slats, and we've got the fluted islands. We're just finishing a project now. It's been around for a while. And I think, Beth, um, you'll probably also agree to this. We travel to Milan a lot. We've got Decorex going on. And I don't know if you agree or disagree, but if you go to Milan for three or four years consecutively, the trends pretty much stay the same. Mm. So they're around for a while and there's this adoption of a trend which just stays. Mm. So actually there's a lot, but there's a lot of the same. It's just a tweak. T- yes. Maybe the, the colour tweak. gets tweaked. Oh, I like that Or a word. finish. Correct. Yeah. So I think um, that's perhaps the tricky side is that which tweak do you like? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I think it can be overwhelming, but is it? Once you really get to the nitty-gritty and you've done some research, you'll start to see, ah, okay – Quite industrial, there's this copper effect finish, there's this light, there's that colour timber in at the moment. Ah, you know. It's almost breaking it down,
1: it's almost analysing stuff, mm-hmm. isn't
2: it? And looking at a picture,
1: and I spend quite a lot of time with clients, kind of trying to mm-hmm. analyse. They've sent me pictures of things they like. What is it that they like about it? Is it the colour? Yeah. Is it the mood? Is it the finishes? And just trying to sort of, because people often can't really tell you what they like, Yeah. Until but they... they can show you a picture. Which is useful for us? So useful.
2: Yeah.
0: As designers, do you prefer it when someone shows you a mood board of stuff that they like,
1: or a mood board a mood board of stuff that they don't like, or are they both useful?
2: That's a good question.
1: I would say like personally, but oft, again, often people come to me with twenty Pinterest boards, uh, and I do um, lots of video consultations, and it's just an hour long, and they sort of send me in advance. Their a link yeah. to their pinterest boards and there's like 20 of them yeah. <laughs> and they're literally overwhelmed you know they've got and they've got pictures of every kind of kitchen out there and there's so much choice what want. yeah they don't know <laughs> like they've been on instagram they've fallen down a rabbit hole yeah they just want someone to go okay this this is what you need this is what you like let's mm. just edit it down keep it really simple this
2: is what you should do so I'm gonna go opposite to that. I oh think it's you? better with the don't like. Because we've oh been having you. that quite a few with a few clients right now. And if you know what you don't like for me, then I can try get it right because I can eradicate what you don't like and everything else is an open book for me. I can go that direction because that I know you don't like. Yeah. And I either way I think we might find Beth that probably get to the same point. Yeah. Like, dislike <laughs> If we put it on the table and they disliked it, they'll be like, oh, that's good. Or I, I like it and I don't like it. There's, there's, whole of, there's that process that goes yeah, on. Yeah,
1: and people sort of change their mind as well. I mean, same thing. Because we're so good at what we do. Obviously, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why. Right. Well, I was going to say, you know, often we're working on a whole house, aren't we? Mm-hmm. So the kitchen isn't on its own. It's not its own thing. We work, we're looking like at the whole big picture of a whole flat or a whole house. And the kitchen has to tie in with everything else that you're doing so maybe the kitchen isn't the first thing that you're designing you're probably looking at the whole look and feel at the beginning and then the kitchen needs to sort of feed into that so there's often quite a lot of changes along the way in my experience people might come with a specific image that they love but actually when you start talking to them about the practicalities or whether it really works with the architecture or what they actually how they want the room to actually feel it might change quite a lot right spot on there's a
0: term we like to use in the magazine which is whenever we do a feature like this you know how do you plan a kitchen how do you buy a kitchen the first thing we usually say is assess your space now well that's true
1: but can you tell measure it you've got to literally measure i mean that's the the first initial thing you can't do anything without having a a proper measured survey normally an architect
2: would be involved
1: in that you want them to come and do it all really accurately give you a proper floor plan and then at that point depends if you're using an interior designer or not if you're doing it yourself you can then take it to the kitchen company mm-hmm. take it to a few kitchen companies get them to show you some different layouts see what you like that's that is the start really
2: i mean i do prefer because uh, since lockdown we get a lot of inquiries where people are purchasing and they just be about to exchange or yes. they're in that process yes but i really do prefer once they've lived in the house for a bit. And when we go down that road of discussion, it's, are you going to move in to see what the house is all about? Because yeah. coming back to assessing your space, yeah, you kind of do want them to find out what are the pros and cons of yeah. how does this room feel in terms of light, in terms of the space, how we use it, how we might have lived in a particular house before. We could have our family dynamic could have been different to this house yeah. because of yeah. other factors, yeah. you know. And so I think it's really nice, it's a good call, assess the space, and whatever that means to you, just be in it, just mm. be in the space. I think that's a good thing. See
1: what doesn't work. It's usually, yeah. it's usually you're trying to design out problems, aren't you? Flow yeah. Yeah. or lack of light or n- nice views or whatever it is. You're usually sort of having to work mm. around some compromises, so that might be the starting point for some people.
0: I'm very impressed when you hear homeowners who let's say inherit a not particularly nice kitchen <laughs> and yet they stick it out for a few months to assess the space to see mm. how the yeah. the room feels yeah. and I think that is that's commitment that is that's brilliant.
1: I think it makes you appreciate yeah. your nice kitchen more as well I've we've renovated lots of houses and lived with other people's kitchens that would definitely not be yeah kitchens that you'd want to live with but then once it goes you know you're so excited to get your new kitchen (laughs) that you know the
2: pain of the process is kind of I made a bit less it's got to be kitchens and bathrooms the rooms that you get most excited when the transformation yes I've also lived in houses which have been pre-projects because as designers I think that's par par for the course really Mm -hmm. and the horror stories and what I've put up with in terms of kitchens and non-existing kitchens and Appliances that don't work, and yep. yeah. it's just crazy. But you know, you learn so much practicality through that process. Exactly. I think any really good design, or in any field, I think you should play in your field before you start to call yourself an expert. Oh, definitely. Because how can you really know the details? and no, exactly. The little things that gone on between, um, you know, heights of islands for a short person, for tall people, for yeah. for tap heights, and for water pressure, and for all the kinds of appliances you need, and. I think it's really good. Just get a feel for how this works. I mean, I have a huge
1: appreciation for kitchen, proper kitchen designers as well. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, with a, with a bespoke kitchen or something that's quite premium, there is so much to consider. It's not go down to your local kitchen shop, point at one, and, you know, it's all the details. And they're all the things that cost mm-hmm. more money but mm-hmm. also make the kitchen amazing and, and bespoke,
2: um, so I have a great appreciation for Correct. kitchen designers. I think to expand on it, it's the one area of the house where that budget can vary. Oh yes. Oh, I'd like this tap. Oh, I'd like that. Oh tab. yeah, it can mushroom can I'd so. like ten times the price. Yeah, a thousand like times the price. Yes. Know? So this is where budgets need to be a part of the discussion as well. Yeah, because it can go beyond. Which
0: actually brings me very
2: nicely, thank you, Ros, <laughs>
0: uh, to the next goodness. question, which is, how do you decide on what you spend your budget on? I mean. Uh, p- a budget, there's no Just such thing as string, how much it? does yeah. a kitchen cost, does there? No. no such thing. No. You know, you could spend 80% mm. on your appliances, 80, 80% on your worktops. But back to basics, what would you recommend when someone says to you, my budget is X? Mm. Where do you then say, well, how do you want to spend it? What do you look at?
1: Well, I think, you know, if someone's got a huge budget, then obviously your constraints are much smaller and you can have the really lovely expensive marble you can have everything all the all the taps and all the knobs and everything all in exactly the same finish you can do special finishes um, you can have whichever range you want you know you, you don't have to worry about that but for me I'd probably be asking someone what is the thing that's most important to you is it that you want a really amazing cooker because you're into cooking and you're going to be entertaining a lot is that more important than having expensive kitchen carcasses that are you really into marble You know, is the marble going to be the thing that you're you're lusting after? Is, do you want to spend more on the worktops and less on the appliances? You know, I think it's trying to work out what is going to make people really happy when they walk into that kitchen. Because if it's a colour, then that's quite easily achieved on a less expensive kitchen. But if it's something like a really expensive marble that's not going to work on on anyone's cheap budget. So I think it's it's managing expectations a bit as well, isn't it?
2: I think that there's no one-size-fits-all in any aspect of the industry, and it's also relevant to the kitchen because as much as you go, um, okay, we've got our clients, everyone comes or brings to the table something different. And every time you say you think you've heard it all or seen it all, something new pops <laughs> into the equation. So I think it's got to do with how, again, sort of elaborating what you've said, Beth, How do they use the kitchen? What's their preference to them? Because for me, I find the furniture gets put to the back of the budget, Mm -hmm. but the appliances and the worktops are the Mm -hmm. things that really just rock it off. And right now, it's more the appliances, then the worktops, then the furniture. Because appliances, what can they bring to the table these days? Everything and anything. The convenience is at your fingertips now. So that's exciting for a lot of clients. Old school, maybe not so much, but. That's where the money is tends to be spent now, I'm finding. Marbles and such, I'm finding clients are going, mm, I don't want to use marble in my bathroom or my kitchen ever again, but I'd like some really good composites like Decton and, and other sort of cell stones. So... Um, we have to sit down and I think it's about, as the designer, educating because, you know, when you start throwing out technical names to clients, it's just like a glaze over. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's about, you know, educating them and then them deciding because they might know for themselves instinctively, I like this, like a really good tap, but how much does that cost and what are the pros and cons of these hierarchy items? And then they can get a feel for that and then move forward with the process. So I think that plays into it, educating them yeah. as well. Mm. So it's all about lifestyle, how you're going to use the kitchen. Yeah, I think it is. I think it really is. As much as they can tell, because I do believe cooking is really, again, pandemic, post-pandemic. Cooking has taken quite a big role, and I think people just really love their kitchens now. So I do believe maybe our clients don't know how to answer every aspect of what do they want as the final result, but they can give you some really good guides. Yeah, when you start sort of breaking
1: it down with them, you know, it's – I never plan for less than sort of like a three-hour meeting at a kitchen showroom because you think, oh, it's you know, it's, not, it's just this, and we've just got to choose that. But actually, with a good kitchen company, a good kitchen designer, there are hundreds of questions they're going to ask you. Every single detail of every single finish of every curve, you know, there are so many things to think about. It's all in the detail, really, and that's where the cost can skyrocket as well, isn't it? Absolutely. As soon as you start doing sort of spoke things curves mm-hmm. specialist finishes you know trying to match things exactly that's where the costs can kind of creep up as well
2: it is also very good as you're saying beth to go with your clients to the showrooms and i find they get really excited about yes. finishes oh yeah oh my god finishes touching everything yes Only one aspect of it. There's a lot of technical (laughs) going behind. So, again, coming back to just speaking to them, educating them, because they will spend hours just touching, oh, look how that stone goes with that, timber goes with this. Um, And then we slightly have to elaborate on, you know, we need to touch on the appliances and we need to discuss what what sort of extraction we are going to have and
1: and so forth. And a good good kitchen company slash designer, plus along with our help, you know, the benefit of that is that you won't have these mess ups at the end which people often do a kitchen and go why did I do that why didn't I think why didn't I put wall lights in or why you know whatever it is mm. hopefully you don't have those issues at the end if you've been through the process because you've got two people kind of coming at you with technical questions aesthetic considerations you know you've got everybody on board sort of trying to create the dream haven't you? I think people can get bugged down in details. I remember when I was picking grout
0: colours and they made a breakdown, <laughs> you know, because yeah. it's the, which sure one is. do I pick? You know, which one's going to go with my tiles, the floor, you know, the, the veining on my worktop. But equally, I think there's such a, I think the movement at the moment is personal spaces and you're not going to get a personal space if you're not involved in the that's design. That's yeah, that's
2: what 100%. I think. Yeah, hundred percent, yeah. I think that's very important.
0: The next question is how do you decide on a kitchen layout? I mean, that's a big question as well, isn't it? I mean, we were talking about assessing your space, which I think is a massive factor in kitchen layouts because someone might come to you and say, I want an island. I know my kitchen is tiny, but I want an <laughs> I'm
1: island. I'm going to have one anyway. I will have an island.
0: <laughs> it's got pull down one from the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like a bid. <laughs> so how do you come up with layout. a
1: layout? Well, I mean, essentially you've got to work with, the space that you're either going to create because you're building mm-hmm. out, or the space you've already got. So I have to say, it's not a very good idea to force an island into a space that doesn't have space for an island. It's not gonna work. So you've got, you know, you've got to be able to make some compromises. There's usually, in my experience, it's usually a way of getting an island or whatever it is you want in that room, but it might be that then you don't have space for. Built-in dining area, or you don't have space for a big dining table. You know, it's it's about being realistic. I think some of it. There's usually ways of getting where people want to get, but it might not necessarily be the huge big kitchen photo that they've shown you. If they've got a little tiny galley kitchen, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but why? You're a designer. Yeah. You make this happen. <laughs> yeah.
0: So let's talk about. Let's go back to basics and let's mm. talk about each layout. So. The first one, a single galley. What are these good for? Okay, so firstly,
2: I don't know if you must look at me, I hate, I hate that traditional st- stance. Um, I have a galley kitchen at home at the moment, and of course I want to add an island. Um, but in terms of layouts, I prefer it if you just start from nothing, as in put no parameters on it. Let's just, and also what I do is I give it out to the team. We all have turns to come up with ideas, right? Um, because I think that this is a really interesting space to being able to be a bit more creative. If you can, if you've got the client, that allows you to. And I never put parameters of triangles, galleys, islands. Just go for it. Just see what you come up with. Because, again, very important part of the house. Let's be creative. Let's Obviously, there's a brief, but let's start from exciting. And if we have to curtail that down, we will. We will. But I just want to see what comes to the table first, putting our heads onto this layout and see what happens. Galley... Um, if you have to, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of our clients do come to the table and go, right, do I need to consider the triangle? So I say, well, why don't we just throw things out the box and let's just do something different and let's see how it works. Because, you know, in my galley kitchen, sure, I might have my sink, I might have my hob, I might have my fridge, but then what if I had an island and I had something ha- happening there? Do I make it the kitchen quadrangle? Like, what do I do then? <laughs> Is that a new trend I've just started, you know? So I don't, I try not to keep to that because I, I honestly, hand on heart, feel it's a bit outdated now. I think we've moved far too far along in terms of design, creativity, um, the way we live, what comes to the table uh, in terms of new products to keep our foot in the past and another one in the the present and future. So for me, I I, I struggle with it. I struggle with it and I quite defer from it. So
0: you're telling me that you don't like saying things like U-shape, L-shape. Double galleys, I, 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 I don't
2: think I've ever. Heard it's heard not this. for you. No, not for me. <laughs> I think I've just go. This is your kitchen. This is a living space. This is a family space. This is where you're going to cook, entertain. Let's go for it. You oh, know, I love it. She is throwing the kitchen design rule book <laughs> out the window. I'm, I'm pretty sure Beth's going to jump on board this man and <laughs> <laughs> Let's go for it. Well,
1: I don't know. What let's, do you think? Oh, Devil's
2: advocate. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah,
1: I was just <laughs> I was just thinking back to a kitchen that we worked on a few years ago that kind of threw the rule book out of the window. Um, but it came from the clients, actually, because they were sort of on board before I was. Um, they wanted... So it was it was a Edwardian terraced house, so it wasn't particularly wide, and they didn't want to build into the side return. But they really loved the idea of having a huge... Only really a huge island in the middle of the kitchen with some tall units at one end for the fridge-freezer and the kind of the taller elements. So nothing around the outside of the room just this one really big beautiful kind of sculptural bespoke island in the middle with really dramatic worktop so you know love you it, can do whatever you want it's how it's how you's how you use the space isn't it mm. they had some bar stools at the end they just wanted a really beautiful kind of architectural piece in their kitchen so i th- yeah i think don't be bogged down by too many you know, Traditional you should do this you should do that you, you, it needs to be designed around how the kitchen is going to be used and the flow of the space and
2: i mean i think that's how we are progressive and i think this this runs in the, again in the areas of the home like the kitchen bathrooms where we can be so progressive you know and our, our clients to some degree lead us there i mean as designers we'll take some ideas and run with it and, and progress them but our clients help us do that and i think that's it's exciting honestly it's it's exciting that we can get that chance to so no U shapes, yeah. No, no triangles, <laughs> yeah. It's that I hate maths. <laughs> I mean the,
1: the 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 logistics of how you know the triangle comes from sort of mm. the fridge, the hob, the sink, doesn't it? Mm. Making an ergonomically designed space work, but it may be that someone's not cooking very much. Maybe they're using the coffee machine all the time, and that actually mm. the, the, there's a coffee pantry larder thing going on that's more useful than a than a hob. So again it's just it's down, down to how people want to use the space breathe, isn't it absolutely. i think when you're laying all the uh, the appliances out you just want to think about how someone's going to move around the kitchen
0: but is it not a way of just describing the cabinetry that you have for example i have an L-shaped kitchen with a peninsula that kind of creates a U shape. Is that not just not the simplest way to describe <laughs> the layout of your kitchen? I mean, you're really making me think about the past five years of me working at this magazine.
1: <laughs> We're just trying to be clever, aren't we? <laughs> I,
2: no, I, I think. No, I think it's good to be controversial, and I think it's good. It's, it's again, I'm going to pr- bring the word in progressive. It's just going to push things forward. Um, sure, everyone will know how, what you mean, but at the same time. Um, we could find some other terminology. To be fair, it's not about sitting around and, and changing the terminology, but just a mindset change. Roz,
0: I need you to tell me how yes. you would describe right. my L-shaped kitchen <laughs> with a peninsula, please. With a peninsula.
2: See, there is also another word we can throw out. <laughs> oh, no. you so out late. I don't mind the word island, though. It's okay. Um, you know what, Georgina, let's let's invite me over to your house. Let's have some cooking displays happen then. We can have a, a, a terminology revamp for the magazine and we can throw things into the... I think
0: I'm too nervous to invite you to my house. <laughs> <laughs> we'll
2: Does it again. work for you? Does it work for you, the
1: layout?
0: Absolutely. Well, I then think then, then there's school. no discussion, I've got, got there. the triangle. I've got <laughs> the
1: U <new> shape. Yes.
2: <laughs> I don't think we're saying
1: don't do the triangle no, or the...
2: Or the way to describe it. I think that's, it's absolutely fine if that happens. I'm literally just thinking about the way I've sat with my clients. And I don't think that has come up, that terminology has come up, because the conversation is run down the path of how do you love? How do you work? How, how, what's your lifestyle? Because um, as an interior designer, it's very much about the relationship. It's very much about that connection you make. And that is kind of sits holistically above everything else. And so, but the time you speak about, you know, doing the whole house projects, that terminology is kind of out. It's more about this is a journey to create your home, your kitchen, the space you're going to entertain, in, the space you're going to connect with, the space you're going to identify with, and it's so much more on a, on, from a psychological point of view as a as this journey. So that's probably why I've never brought it down to U shaped kitchen again, because it feels very structured, as in here is the way that we will design yet the process is more fluid and more connected and more about personality. So I think that's probably what's happened here. If it's, if it's just got terminology, it feels less like a personal journey. Does that make sense? What you're saying is you're not about labels. No labels in the kitchen layout. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I might be that in generally in life. <laughs> so that happens. Zero labels. Okay, guys. But there
0: must be layouts that shall not be named, that work better in certain spaces, or the way that you live or you work or you cook or you entertain.
1: Most of our projects tend to be in London and they mostly tend to be youngish families and most people like the idea of an island. So just working with the sort of the footprint of the average semi-detached or terraced period house in London, we do find that a lot of kitchens the be- the most the best use of space often comes from sort of a slight l shape of a kitchen with an island and then if there's space i like to do built-in bench seating on the other side so the kitchen and the seating's quite close so that's it. if if you've got the width i think that works quite well in terms of fitting everybody's requirements in and people as you know often like to then have a seating area sitting and looking at the garden so if someone's got space and that they want to get all that in obviously there are ways of doing it and that does feel like quite a good flow through a space still that will probably change in five years people may not want islands there'll be something else that they want so you know it's just adapting but it's all about essentially it all comes back down to available space and what needs to happen in it so yeah I mean I think islands are changing dramatically Uh,
0: year on year that I've worked for the magazine I've seen islands go from the bigger the better mm.
2: to now the cantilevered or brilliant. yeah to yeah. the more Exciting.
0: statements to the more practical practical and statement and mm. completely not even a, a shape that i could describe there mm. they've got mm. things coming off at different angles mm. and circle breakfast bars mm-hmm. and and um yeah. banquette seating and yeah. it's all going off here there mm. and everywhere so yeah. i could there's no layout description for that i
2: suppose (laughs) isn't that quite exciting because beth i think it is quite true that the island seems to be the place that you can be creative and that's probably why we've seen because you do need to have certain you know wall units and base units because we have a dishwasher we have sinks we have extraction we have all these things going on as the technical footprint of this kitchen but the island yes it can fit all of those things too but there you can it can be anything you want it can be any material can be any function it can do what it wants to it's cool it's cool that clients are can be open-minded to our creativity there
1: and and they have to multitask often, don't they? I mean, yeah. several times we've done an island that kind of drops down a level for a built-in dining area at the end. If people don't have space for a separate big dining table or they want another space to sit at that sort of height, that's our job, isn't it, to try and come up with creative ways of mm-hmm. not just replicating what the neighbour's got, you know, or what they've seen at their friend's house, which might be something that a kitchen designer just churns out daily trying to make the space a bit more personal,
2: I think, as well. I mean, I remember we had a client who gave us the brief who said to us, you know, we want this to be a collaborative journey, but at the end of the day, we want to look back on the project and go, we we all learned something from this because we pushed our boundaries on creativity. And their brief started out by being, actually, we don't live in this country, it's just a transient residence um, between the east and the west, and so we don't want a kitchen because we don't cook. <laughs> <be> pandemic, right? <laughs> and then, of course, that became the biggest part of the brief. We'd like a small kitchen, a big kitchen. In fact, let's make most of the apartment the oh, kitchen. Wow, that's a change. <laughs> so, that? so, so it's it's pretty incredible how the brief can change. But for them, the island was the thing that was going to be really quite something different, mm. and that's great because it pushed our boundaries as to how we can achieve this expanding brief you know which is really good.
0: I've heard of people asking for non-kitcheny kitchens I don't think I've ever heard of someone saying I don't
2: want a kitchen. Literally never had that brief but of course it, it changed but it's impossible how can you not have a kitchen? Not even a, not even a tap and a sink? It was a no kitchen brief. thing. It didn't last long I'm gonna not lie to you it's it, it lasted about a month or so or maybe two but it was the initial brief. Wow! Basically no designing a hotel room I think even a hotel room is better for the 70s, at least you've got some sort of kettle situation going on. But what I was surprised with by the end of the day when the brief of the kitchen came into being, it was substantial. It was like, well, I like to have my green tea at this temperature and I'd like to. So, where was all this information hiding? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's great. So, it went from literally zero to hero, right?
0: So our next frequently asked question that we get a lot at the magazine is, when should I plan the kitchen lighting?
2: Okay, so I think lighting is really important, um, again, in any space. So I would say it shouldn't be given a particular time frame other than it starts at the beginning of the process. Because the kitchen's becoming just like another room in the house, again, with um, the integration of dining, you're probably going to want to have different levels of light, different circuitry, different... um, so as I can say, uh, tasks for that lighting. So yes, I would bring it in, in the beginning, to be fair, because you're going to want to highlight the kitchen island, where you're cooking, where you're prepping, where you're dining. And so I think it's really important to consider it from the beginning. Yeah, I better. think
1: as, as, as soon as you've got a layout that you're happy with, that the kitchen company or the kitchen designer is happy is going to work, that's when you want to push the button on, look at lighting, because you want to light. The space that you've got rather than you know you're not going to do the lighting before you do the kitchen you know you've got to get your layout first and then you're going to work out what how you want to light it and what you want to highlight um, I really like using kind of feature wall lights and kitchens that don't look particularly sort of kitcheny because um, that just gives the space less of a clinical kind of feel and gives you that nice soft warm Kind of atmospheric light mm. still usually you want some sort of recessed spotlights but um, if you've got the budget i would <laughs> try and have the recess trimless plaster in spotlights because they just sort of disappear into the ceilings you don't have any detailing around them so they give you quite you know concentrated highlights of things and you can direct them into cupboards or onto worktops but you don't have that kind of runway effect of rows and rows of, you know, little white metal plastic kind of trims in the ceiling. It's Mm -hmm. it's massively
2: important. It's going to literally kind of set the mood Mm. of the room. Because I think that's important when you say mood. I think that's what we need to also remember about the kitchen changing is that the mood of the kitchen has changed because it's no longer just cooking. There's a whole lot of family interaction, time with the children, breakfast in the morning, entertaining. The other thing we probably like to look at, both of us, is the the color of the light. And I pay quite a lot of attention to this in the team as well on any part of the house in terms of what we call Kelvin. which what's not we call it, so it's Kelvin, which is the color of the light. Um, We like to work on 2,700, which is a really nice one, but you need to look at how that intensity of the light or the warmth of the light works within the kitchen space. Um, Not very, very often do our clients want to go for darker walls in kitchens, but some when they do, it's wonderful. But at the same time, you then need to consider you go up to 3,000 Kelvin so that it's still a very light space that you can work with on those different levels. So I think that's really, really important. And as you say, Beth, to highlight certain features as well, because, again, it becomes a bit of a kitchen dining room. So you might want there to be certain pieces of artwork highlighted, not only for the cooking function. Um, What I'm finding as well, the difference between the architectural lighting and the decorative lighting, so pendants and chandeliers and things like that there's quite a difference between how you approach them in terms of what they give off and I found that the kitchens beforehand had a lot of architectural lighting but now with the integration of dining spaces there's a lot of decorative pe- pendants and chandeliers coming into the mix as well so I like that because it's more glamorous it's more well you can change the look uh, through what style you go with as well so it's quite good it's really important to give a good consideration
1: and I think it's Actually, that's a good point. You know, you have to consider that those kind of statement pendants are often not cheap. So you need to be making sure you're figuring all of these kind of more expensive pieces, like the bar bar stools can be quite expensive if you're choosing something that's leather or, Mm. you know, in a really nice fabric. All these little extra things add up. It's not just the cost of the kitchen. Mm. Quite often people sort of forget that and they spend all their money on the the units and all the um, appliances and then they kind of go oh we haven't got any money left so we're going to have to buy some really cheap bar stools that we don't really like and we're just going to keep them for a few years and then Mm. 10 years later they still got them because Mm. they can't be bothered to think about it so Mm. try and factor in all of the bits of furniture Mm. right at the beginning with a budget so you don't end up with no dining table Mm. or a dining table you don't like because you can't afford the one you really want.
2: Correct. Can I just expand a bit on that in terms of lighting as well, Um, going back to your sort of trimness, because that's a really good thing to know. A lot of people still go, okay, the traditional spotlight is just the round, old-fashioned sort of the bezel, and it doesn't look so great, but the trimness is really good. But I think for anybody listening, and it would also be quite nice to understand that um, when you're planning your kitchen, these things require drivers, and you need to allow for allocation of where these are stored. I mean, any builder would be able to help, but it's good to know that with everything comes the supplementary of what goes on behind the scenes. Absolutely. And the cost of a light fitting can be X amount, but then with the driver, you've doubled it. So I think you need to, you can even hierarchy what spotlights go in certain places. Um, and you can say, for example, smaller, more discreet, plastered in could be above the island or above the sink when you're washing up, but perhaps there's a different specification somewhere else. But I would always say watch your budget with your lighting because you get what you pay for. Um, And really, I think like the taps and the brassware, you want these things to be really good quality. Um, But with the quality comes the price and installation and all so forth. So think carefully about the choices you make in terms of specification and technical and what you need behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, and and the other thing is, you know, we were talking about doing the lighting plan really early on. You know, if you do want trimless plaster in recess spotlights you know they have to be fact the builder has to know that before he's plastering the ceiling so that's got to be planned way in advance of actually going and fitting the kitchen you know there's there's processes another thing that crops up quite often for me is people often have sort of a wall of glass at the back now opening onto the garden and once it's all installed they can they feel it's quite Cold. It feels quite chilly at night, especially when it's dark outside. If you don't have lighting in the garden, you know you're literally looking at a kind of a, a big black wall of glass in the in the winter. So another thing to think ahead in terms of the ceiling and plastering, whether you might want a curtain, whether it's a semi sheer curtain just for sort of adding some softness, or whether you want proper curtains that are going to kind of feel cozy in the winter, or you know you want you like fabric and you want to soften the space. You know, you might want to recess in a track into the ceiling, and that's got to be done before it's plastered as well. So Mm. there's a few little things. Wall lights, you know, you want to get the cables in the right positions. Don't think you can kind of do it all at the end once the kitchen's done. You need to be planning ahead.
0: Do you know what I'm a fan of, of lighting in a kitchen, is a lamp.
1: Oh, I love a lamp.
0: I love a lamp. I love a lamp. Yeah, a a table table lamp. lamp.
1: Mm. Nobody else loves Mm. a lamp. You're the first Mm. person ever... (laughs) that loves a lamp in a kitchen I love hmm. a lamp
0: but also I like a rug in the kitchen which Me too
1: editor Lindsay Blair thinks yeah. is disgusting no. I think a rug
2: is great I'm not sure I'm on board with your lamp guys oh I love a lamp oh. it feels so cozy doesn't it so cozy it? and you can just have a lamp That's... on in the evening with your
1: pottering around you don't have to have overheads on it's quite a, a traditional
2: look I would say it would, it would need to tie in with how the rest of the kitchen looks. Yeah. I would say ultra modern and then suddenly a
1: lamp. Yeah. Maybe not in an ultra modern kitchen, mm. but. Um,
0: For me, it's the crazier the lamp, the better. Yeah. I'm talking tassels. Big I'm talking statements. Right. I'm getting a
2: sense of your kitchen. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah in my kitchen, of... I have um, a lamp base that's shaped like a bear and a blue
2: <laughs> and oh, a blue,
0: yeah. um, lampshade with tassels on. I no. mean, it's ridiculous. It doesn't go at all. I mean, it's hidden in a corner. That's cute. That's quite kind of sweet yeah. but that
1: makes it your kitchen doesn't it yeah. and that's the other thing that i think is really important is you know you want it to feel like it's your kitchen not mm. a kitchen that you've just seen in a showroom that's the generic kitchen that everyone else is having put some quirky things in there make it you want to walk in and smile and go oh i just love it it was so worth the hassle and the expense just love everything about it and if that's a quirky bear shaped lamp <laughs> Go for it. And a blue
2: shade. <laughs> oh, yeah. You've done it. You've done it.
0: <laughs> yeah, my husband's not a fan.
2: Um, <laughs> I can't it being a husband thing. <laughs> and our next
0: question, and I can't wait to hear the answer for this based on the layouts um, <laughs> question, was what are the current trends? Are there any you think should be avoided?
2: <laughs> so, as a designer myself, I will obviously be aware of trends. I look online, I read magazines, I go out, I observe, and perhaps you can even say that as designers we see things a little bit differently because we're looking at spaces from a different perspective. How combinations of colours, materials, finishes work together. So in our mind we'll have our own kind of opinion. Again, when I sit down with a client, they will inevitably be the one that's, I've seen a lot of this, I've seen that. Um, I think the idea is to not be afraid. Let's let's try throughout the word trend and let's just say there is product availability out there and you might be drawn to a particular combination of them. You will know it because you know yourself. You'll see something gold and you'll be like, yeah, yeah, it makes me excited. In the next page, something gold. Yeah, it makes me excited. I shouldn't have used the word gold. I can't stand it. But um, <laughs> There we go. <laughs> She's answered the question. <laughs> but you will know what you're drawn to. So... It might be good to know that if if that's the case, okay, fine. How can this be incorporated into the kitchen? I think the idea of just taking um, mass material of what's out there and just like splurging, I think using trends for a timeless design might need a bit of advice and help. And again, always ask questions, always go look around. But going back to the original question of trends – I think you should love your kitchen. I think you should be excited every time you walk into your kitchen. And if it means that it's a particular material that or finish or tap or whatever that allows you to do that, incorporate it in. Because every time you go there and experience, use the kitchen, you'll experience that sense of satisfaction and pleasure. For the rest of it, just trust that it can come together. Because I don't know about you, Beth, but for me, when I'm putting a scheme together for a client, your confidence of how you portray and just know that things will work together means that it can look great it's a subjective world we live in you know so what I like could be what somebody else doesn't like but it can work together you know
0: so Beth maybe I should rephrase the question current trends there's always going to be trends because of Instagram because of Pinterest and things should you avoid trends when designing
1: a kitchen um I mean I'm I'm sort of naturally drawn to a slightly more traditional kitchen, a a shakery style kitchen. But again, I'm often working in kind of traditional houses. So that makes sense. Um, So in terms of a trend, I mean, kitchens like that have been around for a long time. I know they're very popular at the moment, but they have people have been having those kitchens for decades. Um, So for me, I think it's more about just being careful that you're not literally replicating the, the the most photographed kitchen on Instagram, which I've seen people doing a lot because by the time it's on Instagram, it's already been on Instagram probably for several years, and you know you're you're basically producing something that's going to be so high visibility that people are going to feel like it's dated even before it's dated. So I think the I think the thing to go in kitchens is color, and people have been very scared about using color. I think people have sort of erred towards neutrals and greys and whites, especially with sort of more contemporary kitchen. It's, you know, it's been shiny and handless and all that kind of stuff. But I see people being much more adventurous now with colour, which I think is really nice because it's nothing like a colour that you love that sort of hits you in the face when you walk into a kitchen that just makes you feel happy. If it's the colour you really love, I think that's a good way to go. You know, there'll be colours that are trendy. So again, don't pick the one colour that everybody seems to be doing, but just find that colour that you really love that makes you really happy and go for it. Because in 10 years' time, you'll still love it. It doesn't matter if it's not trendy anymore. Who cares? You know, it's your kitchen. The quickest, most easy, best way to make it not feel like a trend is mm. to put your own personal things in it, like your
2: teddy bear your lamp. teddy bear lamp,
0: but the It's dazzles. not a teddy bear, guys. It's a polar bear. <laughs> oh, <okay>. sorry. Polar <laughs> bear. <laughs> that right.
1: You know, hang, hang your art in there or, or prop yeah. art on shelves. Have ceramics in there that you've picked up on holiday. You know, put personal things in there because that's what makes it your kitchen as opposed to the showroom kitchen, which is generic and... Mm. won't feel sort of unique to you
0: So one of the things I'm seeing a lot at the moment, and it's a particular i don't know if you could talk, call it trend, but a particular look that I really like at the moment is when homeowners color drench their spaces, so essentially the color of their worktops is on the walls and it's picked up everywhere and it's just this great big mass of color mm. and I just think it looks stunning obviously you have to have layers of other Mm. patterns and textures but that kind of color
2: drench especially if it's dark yeah that's very dramatic yeah I think that would be sensational I think to expand on that uh, if they could extend the drenching to the ceiling that would be even fantastic because I'm really loving um, painting ceilings in different colors now as well really brave but really a nice trend very
1: dramatic great and Mm. I think you know the way where you put colour on the units, on the cabinets. Do you you know often people have sort of come to me with worries about should they do the island dark and the and the perimeter units light or the other way around. People get really hung up on that. Mm-hmm. Um you can you know colour can be used differently. So you want to draw someone's attention to the perimeter of the room and make it feel like the units are sort of moving away from you. You know, you use colours with some blue in them, because that makes it feel like they're further away. If you want the attention to be on the island, if you want that to be the thing that everyone looks at, make that the darker, stronger colour and paint the perimeter units paler. Or another option, if you feel like you've got to have wall cabinets, you don't really want them, you don't want them to feel like they're sort of making the space feel claustrophobic, painting those the same colour as the wall makes them sort of disappear, into the wall visually and then you bring the focus down with the colour on the island and the low units. You know, there's different ways of utilising sort of contrasting colours to for different effects, so that's that's quite interesting as well. You mm-hmm. used a term
0: actually just then which was dramatic and I think that's another thing I'm seeing at the moment is people being a bit more dramatic in their spaces, especially yes. with things like worktops and splashbacks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm loving at the moment all the really
1: heavily veined oh, yeah. worktops at the me moment too. Mm. yeah me too i love marble yeah <laughs> it's not yeah. very practical no, so I you've know. got to really spell that out to a client if they if they also love marble you've got yeah. to really be very brutal with them about how the fact it's not going mm. to look like it does when it's first installed in two years time mm-hmm. if they're fine with that go with it Um, and I think also you know there are trends in marble as well so you've got to be a little bit Mm. careful obviously marble's been around for millions of years but there are particular marbles that people are using a lot so again you've just got to you've got to think about your finishes in in reference I think to the whole house not just I'm just doing the kitchen you know is that is that marble going to be used anywhere else in the house might use it in the bathrooms you know because if you can sort of tie the materials through the whole house if you're designing mm. that just feels really nicely kind of considered rather than doing different things in mm. every single room and different materials so
2: yeah I'm a sucker for marble too <laughs> you've mentioned that a few times <laughs> I think what's also fun is um, to know that you can visit the slab yards and just go take a look it's great for inspiration because I think there are also some inherent qualities you need to know. Like Beth has mentioned, marble, you know, it's not very strong. It's very porous. It's The maintenance is ex- exceptionally high on marble. But you can get harder, more durable materials outside of the man-made materials like quartzite and so forth that are stronger. And granites, there's a huge resurgence in granites. People are mm-hmm. loving granites right mm-hmm. now because it's stronger than yeah. marble and because yeah. it's producing just sort of different colors and different yeah. patterns and... Yes, for the veining for marble, but I think people are also steering away from the sort of book matching and just to being able to get dramatic, dark, more dominant surfaces that are not so your obvious grey and white or gold grey and white sort of marble veining. I think people are now branching out to be a bit more brave, more Mm -hmm. creative in what they want to do, and it's it's nice to be able to walk around a slab yard and see what's what options are available to you, and also the thicknesses that you can get because these tie in quite importantly to. Um, your overall look, and, you know, at the, at the at Slab Yard, it's quite nice to learn about what the inherent qualities are. So understand where your pros and cons sit with the marbles and the stones that you choose. Okay, guys, so you've very um, diplomatically avoided the second part of this question, which is
0: what would you avoid? <laughs> so I'll, st- I'll break the ice, I'll start it. So things that I, if I was a designer or doing my kitchen, the thing that I don't like very much at the moment... It could change mm-hmm. is having an island which is exactly the same cabinetry as the rest of the island in a different color that's mm. something that mm. i don't like if mm. if there's an island that's super statement and it's a different material and different textures yeah. to the rest of the kitchen that's fine but if it's just the whole kitchen looks exactly the same but the island is a certain color mm-hmm. and the other cabinetry isn't
2: that sort of makes me shudder inside a little bit.
0: Maybe because I've seen it too much, but that's yeah. the thing that I think
2: I avoid. I mean, I tend to be with you. I think it could be implemented to be very nice, depending on the, remember we spoke earlier about the design of islands and islands being like the real artistic piece within the kitchen. So it could, uh, you know, inherit that sort of quality. But I'm with you in the sense that if it's just a different finish and everything else, it could be a little bit like, oh, this is going to date in a minute. This might just not be the what the kitchen I love. Personally, I think wood is wonderful as a material throughout the house. Um, Again, that's just because through the experience that I've travelled, I find it just being a wonderful material. But it's difficult as a countertop, for example, a work surface, unless you like that kind of stained, bleached, worn-out look, which doesn't really work in all apartments and houses. um, It is tricky, but I think it's um, it is wonderful. But yeah, in terms of materials, I think the composites are probably the best way to go when it, when you're talking about durability. The man-made materials.
0: Okay, so Rose is avoiding wood.
2: Yeah, love I love wood, but I, I think it's probably not advisable all the time on maintenance. Just know what you're doing with maintenance and your wood. And okay, look, so wooden worktops. Mm-hmm. Beth, I would avoid
1: just literally copying someone else's kitchen because I think there's no joy in that. Mm. Yes, they might have a great looking kitchen, and yes. It might have been in twenty-five different magazines, but it's not your kitchen, it doesn't say anything about you. Um, you haven't had the fun of choosing the colours or choosing the finishes or any sort of creative input. So for me that just feels really quite sad. Um and I think even someone who's not very confident can choose colours actually. Mm. You know, you everybody likes different colours, there's no rules. Yeah. It's just about Choosing something you love, and I think if someone else walks in your kitchen and thinks it's hideous, it doesn't matter. It's your kitchen.
2: Well,
0: I think that's a perfect note to end on. So, thank you very much, guys. I hope everyone's got some great tips and advice from that. I certainly do, and I'm going to be sending you a picture of my polar bear lamp
1: after we finish this. (laughs) Looking forward to seeing it. You're going to be joining
0: me for some more episodes, so I look forward to chatting to you then. Thank you. Thank you that brilliant i had such a great time recording that and believe me there was lots that got edited out as well we could have chatted for hours it certainly made me think differently about the things i thought i knew a lot about so a big thank you once again to beth and ros before i leave you i wanted to please ask again if you liked what you heard to please give us a review subscribe tag us on social media and share with friends and family until next time